0: You're listening to a message from Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. For more content, visit StreamsChurch.org. So as Shannon said, we've been doing a series on perspective. Um, and this week I had a change of perspective very quickly. Annie emailed me, as she'll sometimes do throughout the day, and tell me how much she loves me and how handsome I I mean, she'll just go on and on. It's embarrassing sometimes. But... She sent me an email, and instead of telling me how wonderful I was, it said, "Are you busy? How many men know when you 're even a little bit busy?" And she asked, "Are you busy?" You say yes i 'm very busy because I know a list of chores is coming soon to a boy like me, and so i 'm like oh i 'm at work i 'm kind of busy right now and she 's like, "Oh, okay, I just wanted you to know your daughter 's homesick and um, was asking for her dad. Boom, perspective changed." I'm like, tell her I'll be home in 20 minutes because I can make it in 20 minutes from the airport to my home in the right traffic. And so I zip out the door, run across the parking lot, jump in my car, slam on the gas, and at home I arrive. And how many of you know it is awesome when your kids are sick because a 10-year-old will cuddle you. A 10-year-old all of a sudden has to take a nap with Papa. I do not want to miss these moments. And so I nursed her back to health. It was all for her, not for me. And, And it was such a good time. But my perspective changed in a moment. When Lloyd went into the hospital, all of a sudden their perspective about going on this great trip on the bullet train, which is where they were supposed to be, all of a sudden they didn't care about that. They just wanted to find out how to fix them. And today I've got a message that hopefully is going to change your perspective like that. You'll have thought you were going the right direction. You'll have thought you were seeking the right things. And God's going to come if this works out and change that today. Or He's going to encourage you in the perspective you've already had and continue to press into that. So that's my hope. Um, we've had some great sermons. Everybody was here for Josh Davis. He talked about perspective and he said that sometimes short-term decisions, what looks like a small decision, can have long-term consequences. He kind of increased our perspective, made us zoom back and, and, and see what the whole picture was. Alan last week had a great message. He said, we have rights, we have privileges, so did Jesus. And he laid those all down to be like us. And how we're called to lay down our rights, lay down our privileges. And do that. So if you didn't get to listen to those, I would really recommend you check them out online. Go to StreamsChurch.com and you can check those out. So, But we're going into the summer months. We're going to start doing vacation. If you don't know this about me, I'm quite a traveler. I travel about 40,000 miles every year with my day job. And so one of the things I thought I'd do, kind of a public service announcement, is I would give you some tips for flying this year. Very helpful. I I try to be helpful. Make these sermons usable for you. So number one, when I fly, I always have my belt in my bag and my shoes untied. So when I go to the security, I can quickly pop them off, go through, and then start assembling everything on. I mean, nothing in my pockets. They don't even have to ask me. I'm just like, I give them the nod. They're like, oh, he's a business traveler. And they just send me straight through. Number two tip. Did you know I have no liquids when I travel anymore? There's this thing called pomade. I don't even know what it is, but it it comes in like a carafe or some kind of container. And you can use that instead of gel or hairspray, guys. And so that doesn't count as a liquid. Now, toothpaste technically should count as a liquid, but if you get the small one, It'll never show up on a scanner. So I have no liquids bag to pull out anymore in the airport. I just zip through that and am right on to the next thing. Number three thing that I do when I travel, I call it be prepared for a hand sanitizer shower. Because you don't know what's going to happen. I travel for five hours when I go to Boston. Six hours when I come back. I stink. But I have to walk into meetings. And so I found hand sanitizer. You're saying, well, that's a liquid, Jason. Don't you have to check it? Oh, no. I found one that looks like a pen. I put it with my other pens. It never gets checked. You just spritz it. It's money. And then, because sometimes... I need a deodorizer also. I mean, five hours of sitting like this, it's bound to get a little, well, smelly up in there. So I found these old spice wipes. They're amazing. They're like what you use on your child when it's a baby, but they smell very manly. And so you just, I mean, use those. I mean, I do it over my clothes, under my clothes. I come out. I am ready for that meeting and to make an impact. Now, food... I have the company paying for my food. So, of course, I eat breakfast, lunches, dinners, big and extravagant. But sometimes you'll run out of time when you're running to the airport. Not a problem. I have the numbers of the food restaurants I like. And so I just order while I'm in the security line, pick it up as I walk by to my airplane. And then the final tip, and this is money, people. Do not let this secret out. They have a thing called mobile pass. Who knows what a mobile pass is? So instead of printing a ticket that people can read, take from you, look at, it just comes to your cell phone. Now the cool thing is there's a scanner that looks at it, and it comes up with one of those UPC codes. You can make the UPC code so big that it fills your screen. Now this will come in handy when they say zone 1, zone 1 there, and you're zone like 25. You just walk up there they will never know that you click that thing, you board, all of a sudden your carry-on does have room up in the luggage rack. Because if you're a business traveler, you are not checking a bag. I will I will never do that. So anyway, just some helpful hints that I put together. Now, that gets you to the plane. Once you get to the plane, there's a couple things, kind of airplane etiquette, that I wanted to go over today. And I call them the top five questions of flight. Do we have them, sir? Number one, you're going to have to make some conversation when you sit there. It is getting better, folks. Now you can have headphones on the entire flight. You don't have to shut down electronic. But there's a couple things that you're going to want to do as you go there. Number one, you always have to hit the work question. What do you do for a living? Act like you enjoy hearing about their technical stuff for mumbo-jumbo. I always sit with business travelers because I'm in the exit row and so it gets boring pretty quick and they see the glossy eyes and when it comes to me i'm just say i work for a bank and that normally gets me off the hook unless we foreclose on something they hold dearly (laughs) then they want to know what bank and how i can fix this problem don't even get me started if they've had an overdraft fee i'm like no i'm not that bank. what but i didn't even tell you no i'm not that one either (laughs) so just keep it very general number two they're gonna ask you are you married? That's very nice etiquette. You're trying to fill kind of that five-minute lull as your taxi slowly to take off and and until it gets really loud in there. And so that's where you can talk about how beautiful your wife is, how wonderful she is. I share this. How I married this beautiful, exotic, truly a woman of mystery from the Orient is how I explain Annie. And so normally, would it? I'm like, so tell me about yours. They're like, I don't know. We've been married 20 years. I'm like, oh. So then it's gonna come time to talk about kids, cause if you're married, you have kids, do you have any kids? And keep this short, folks. I want to show pictures of my babies as much as the next dad. But I do not want to see their slideshow that they might have on that iPad. Like I said, they don't have to put that away anymore. They get to keep it with them. And so this could turn into like a family video moment. So just say, yes, two kids. I love them much. How about you? And get through that one quickly. Now, the next one might seem a little bizarre. Normally, to get out of the whole family mode there's going to be that time where you talk about beliefs. If you've had more than five minutes with them, it's time for that conversation. So I always look at something hard-hitting. I'll have been reading the newspaper. They'll have been reading the newspaper. I'll look for something that I've noticed. They haven't looked at that part of the paper yet. So if they went straight to the sports, stay away from sports. That might actually create a conversation. If they went for the news, then go to the sports page. That's right. So I'll, again, hard-hitting beliefs. So What is your belief about that Spurs Heat Series, huh? I mean, woof, it could go six this time. I mean, stick to those type of beliefs and you will get through that. Now, the last one is pets. Just don't do it, folks. You get somebody going about their pets. They don't have kids. They start calling their pets like they are kids. They start comparing your children to their pets and how much they love their pet just like you love your kid. It gets really strange really quick. So pets, just don't do it. That's my public service announcement. But but you know, these are the questions and the things that we go through every time. Every time you fly, you have to have this conversation. And don't sit in the middle, because if you sit in the middle, you have that conversation as you take off with this person. You have to do it with the other person when you land. They've been waiting their turn. They only had a window to talk to. And so what I realize as I go through these conversations is that what I'm talking about is what are the positions Jason fills in his life. You know, I'm a father. I'm an employee. I'm a husband. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm I'm a sports fan. I mean, whatever that is, I'm talking about the positions that I fill in life. But you know what? They're very general, I would have that conversation pretty much with anybody. I don't really put a lot of emotion. I can't tell you any of their stuff a day after I've had that conversation with them. Because it just got to face value. And I start looking at this and I go, how much of my life is spent just kind of fulfilling a position? You know, I go to work. Annie gets mad because I don't want to talk about my day. I don't remember my day. I could care less. I talked about stuff with people that, uh, and then the meetings were over and I came home. I mean, it, it, it's so little of my my attention. It it's not a passion, and so I really have so little care for it. And I saw this scripture in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It's Solomon reflecting on his life, and he sits there and says. I have done every form of debauchery. I've had every woman that you can have. I've tried every drug and drink, everything that I could do, every form of enjoyment. He says, I denied myself nothing. And I came to the end and I just felt empty. And I'm like, he was just fulfilling a position. It says in verse 20, or chapter 29, 18, where there is no revelation people will cast off restraint. I'm like, no purpose, no revelation, no calling. That is a warning sign in your life. You want to know why men get done with work, retire, and just become kind of zombies? Because they never had a purpose. They fulfilled a position, but they never knew the calling that God had on their lives. And I hate that. But I look at my life and I say so much of it is just doing the same thing. It's filling a position. It's filling a time. And there's no passion. There's no pursuit. There's no purpose. And so we've been going through Philippians on this perspective, perspective ser- series. And we're into Philippians 3. And I think Paul starts looking at this. You know, the church is burgeoning. Men and women are coming to know Christ at a rapid response, a rapid time. And all of a sudden the church says, whoa, whoa, whoa. These new Christians, they aren't following the rules. They're not getting circumcised. Now, number one, that is not a question you ask somebody while you're on a plane. I just wanted to... So you circumcised Jeremiah? I mean, just between, no. No, not a question you ask. I tried it once. It didn't work out as well as I thought it would. I thought it would go on for, but, but he, they're trying to get the new Christians to be circumcised because they want to put the new law, the new rules that, that have done, they want to set aside and they want to bring in the old religion. This whole thing about relationship with Jesus, that sounds good. But what about this great religion we've spent years and years building? Certainly they need to honor that too. And so we find Paul responding to the Christians that want the new Christians circumcised. And he says, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. See, he's ready for this conversation on a plane. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So the best tribe, the best nation, I'm there. I am a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. The Jewish law wasn't just the Ten Commandments. No, no, no. It was 613 things, guides that you had to do. And he says, I did them. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the new Christians. These people weren't following the law. I went and got them. And as far righteousness, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So we see Paul give us his resume. He said, if there was a resume for the Christian beyond Christian, I should be the top godly man ever. I followed all the rules. God would have looked down and said, this is a man that is righteous. He didn't just do the Ten Commandments. He did the 613 addendum to the Ten Commandments too. This is a man that did it. And I look at this and I go, Paul, you're just checking boxes. Do I love my wife? Yeah, check. Do I like my kids most of the time? Check. Do, Oh, sorry, AJ. You weren't supposed to be in here for that. Am I Am I a success at work? Yeah, check. Do do I go to church, check, and and I see these positions that Paul fulfilled. And you know what? He did a great job at fulfilling the position. He grew. His career expounded. He got all the promotions. But he looks at that and says, you know what? I'm not going back there. Because that was religion. I pursue a God that's about relationship. And so he's going to continue on. And, and I think he looked at this and he said, I get it. This is a tough paradigm change for the Jews. This is tough. They've been so focused on following the rules down to the law. And all of a sudden, they're not going to live that way anymore. This week, I got a email. Somebody sent it to me at work and said, hey, I need a deck for this CCB presentation. And at work, who likes to actually ask what does an acronym stand for? I mean, if they used an acronym, I should know what it means. And so I'm like, CCB. What we call our banking centers, commercial bank, consumer bank. Maybe it's commercial and consumer bank. So I don't ask what it is, and I put together a two-page deck, like a thousand words on my safety program and how it impacts them. I get an email back after working feverishly on it. And they're like, no, no, this isn't what we were looking for. CCB, you know the bank CCB. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of our partner banks. They want to know how we do safety and security. I'm like, okay. So I rewrite the whole deck. Hand it in. They look at it. They go, ooh, sorry. Yeah, we really wanted you to break down the two types of real estate we have. We have our retail branches that are just like 20 people. How do you keep them safe? And then our large admin spaces. Can you break it down into those two things? I redo the deck a third time. Bring it back. They have a meeting now to talk to me about my deck. So I know we're not going to just rubber stamp it. And they tell me how... "Mm, Really went into a little too much detail. We want to keep it very surface. So for the next meeting, I sent somebody else that works for me and I'm not on that project anymore. But, but I got so tired. Every time I tried to fulfill the, the parameters I thought they had set, they moved them. And so I sit here and I see Paul and Paul has a heart for the Jews and he goes, guys, I get it. We're moving the cheese now. You thought it was about doing good. You thought it was about being right. I'm going to blow you away. It's two commandments and a relationship with Jesus. And if you live this with all your heart, if you make it your pursuit, if you make it your passion, those 613 things are just going to kind of fall into place. You're not even going to have to worry about about them anymore because you'll be in such relationship with Him. And so it goes on, verse 7, it says, I once thought these things were valuable. See, he's he's empathizing with them. He says, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. That's not real political correct, Paul, but okay. So that I could gain Christ. And become one with Him. He says, look, I followed the rules. It is better this way. Fall in love with Jesus. You want to know how to live a godly life? Just fall in love with Jesus. You want to know how to be righteous? Man, fall in love with Jesus. Make Him the passion of your heart. And all of a sudden, those positions you sought will become things that have a purpose, the Father's purpose. And so he's saying, it's not about my resume anymore, guys. If it was about resumes, I had the resume. I found that it's not about that. It's about a relationship where God gives you the calling that's on your life and you just pursue that with all your heart. Philippians 3.9 says, I no longer count on my own righteousness, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. He says, not only did I learn that I couldn't do it by following all the rules, I learned it was never about me. I never was going to be enough. That's why I always felt guilt and shame. That's what Shannon talked about this morning. How do you come to communion and all you feel is shame? It's real easy. You're trying to fill a position of perfect Christian. And you're never going to fill it. But when you come to communion and say, Jesus, you're my Savior. Everything that I am is garbage. But what you are is enough so that I can have a relationship with the Father. Something changes. Your positions change change. They become a purpose. Finishes up Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul begins to even count the cost. He says, I would rather be in relationship with him for a moment." than dead. I would rather follow him to death than to live a life of great promotion and position. Purpose overcame his desires in his life. Man, that's stunning. I'm like, God, as I was preparing this, I'm like, I have so many desires, so many goals, but God, if I could just lay those down and pick up your purpose... I know I'll fulfill my calling. And so I said, God, how am I going to do this? What do I need to do to fit this? And he kind of answers that question in verse 12 through 14. He says, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. I haven't become perfect. But I press on to possess that perfection, which for Christ Jesus first possessed. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to begin to look forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to press on to reach the end of the race. And you know what? If I do that, I'm going to receive the heavenly prize, which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Calling, purpose, revelation. He says, Jason, I've been, I've been pursuing promotion. I've been pursuing my accomplishment. I've been pursuing keeping up with the Joneses. My resume looks better than my neighbor's. But you know what? That leaves me with nothing. That's garbage. What I really want to pursue is a heart after Jesus Christ. Man, we sung it this morning as Johnny led us in that new song. God, I want more and more and more of You. Because if we start filling ourselves up with that, we have less space for Jason. We have less space for the things that is. So I, I looked at this and I said, there was such a humility. Because you know what? When I compare myself to the Joneses, sometimes I'm going to win and sometimes I'm going to lose. And when I win, I'll be like, woohoo. And when I lose, I'll pretend like they had an unfair advantage. But But when I start comparing myself to Jesus Christ... Man, I'm so insufficient. And it brings me to a point of humility that I never knew. You see, it changes my perspective. So I've got those five questions again. I've rewritten them a little bit. And I want you to jot these down or remember them very well. What is your purpose at work? What is your purpose in your marriage? Why did God put you in your kids' lives? Why has God put you in this church today? And you know what? Get rid of the pets question. You're just using pets to fulfill something that should be a relationship with God and the people God's called you to be in fellowship with. Pets are great. They're miracles of God, but they're not supposed to fulfill your need for relationship. And as I looked through these, I prayed this morning and I said, God, what does this look like for me? this sermon was kind of humbling to do. And so I said, okay, God, what is my purpose at work? And this is what God said. You work for a bank where you get to pastor people every day. You get to work with the sick and the hurting and the people of the company that are in need every day. And yep, use your business acumen, but Jason, bring the power of prayer into every situation. God challenged me that. this morning. Annie, it was real quick for, for what does it look like if I, if I have a purpose in my marriage. He said, Jason, your calling in life is to make Annie feel like she's the last woman on the face of this earth that you ever want to be with. How are you doing on that, big guy? That was challenging. I looked at my girls and he said, I'm working. He said, Jason, show these girls how I love them so that they will be so overwhelmed with the affirmation of me that when they have a bad day, those things can't stick to them. When boys start knocking on the door, they'll go, I don't need that affirmation. I got a worldly papa who's an example, uh, even a bad example, of a heavenly papa that loves me so completely. You better be a great man of God because I don't need you. I looked at the church and God said, Jason, be a Christ follower at an amazing church where every weekend you come and worship at the top of your lungs. Jason, the same passion you have for Michigan football, I want to see that in the church every Sunday. I want you to be challenged by the Word of God. I want you to spend the entire week talking to the Holy Spirit because He's going to sow seed into you, Jason, that you need to let grow if you're going to meet the needs of the purpose I've put on your life. And then the final one was about relationship. He said, Jason, I've put families around you that need a little bit of you. But I've also put families around you, Jason, that you need a little bit of them. I've put men in your life, Jason, that yes, they need a relationship with you, but Jason, you need it more. You need accountability. You need men that will tell you, stop being a jerk and go ask forgiveness. You need it, Jason. That's why I've called you to relationship. I want you guys to have that same conversation with God this weekend. What is your purpose Because I, for one, am tired of fulfilling a position. I want to live a life that has calling so that I can walk in victory every day. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being a patient God with me. For being a God that looks at my positions and my promotions and, and claps his hand, but goes, Jason, you're missing it. Jason, I have a calling and a purpose for your life. Seek my calling. And God, I make that the prayer for the people here today. God, we want to be a people that don't pursue position, but pursue you. Pursue the revelation that you have for our families. Pursue the relationships you have for us in this church and outside this church. Pursue our children's lives to be that dad that's going to love them completely to be that mom that will sacrifice everything for them and god we want to be a people that puts marriage right below our relationship with you a people that says this spouse that you gave me is your most amazing gift and i want to wake up every day and cherish that gift that prize Because, God, I know you've given me your precious son or daughter to love all my life. And so I'm going to be a good steward with that, Father. Make us a people of purpose, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Streams Church in Litchfield Park, Arizona. Visit StreamsChurch.org for service times, general information, and more.